It's the 8th of November, 2019. This is the Room Now podcast. I'm Dr. Jack Cush, executive editor of RoomNow.com. This week, better ways to treat gout. Should we expect cancer in our many diseases that we treat? And news for patients with psoriatic disease. Some updates, some new indications, maybe. Let's start off with a study about ANA positive consults. You get them all the time. Does the patient have lupus or not? A cohort of patients being referred for evaluation of lupus or connective tissue disease showed that having an ANA did slightly increase your risk of getting um, uh, connective tissue disease, but it did not associate with having fatigue. So they specifically looked at fatigue and other factors and found out that it did not predict the subsequent diagnosis of lupus or connective tissue disease. And this is because about a third of the patients that were referred had fibromyalgia, which probably explained a lot of it. Uh, turns out that fatigue was highly correlated with widespread pain, widespread pain, um, and probably then fibromyalgia. And that would be, uh, I guess, a useful consideration when seeing such consults. Uh, we put a tweet up that got a lot of uh, play about uh, methotrexate, an old drug with new tricks. And it's really just a report, a reference to a report that says that we know about methotrexate and its ability in inflammatory arthritis, but you may not be aware of its use and utility in patients who have chronic viral arthritis. And they specifically talked about chikungunya, alpha viruses, parvovirus, even hepatitis and HIV-associated arthritis. Methotrexate has been shown to work. And again, it's sort of a hodgepodge collection of case reports showing its utility, not double-blind, you know, randomized placebo-controlled trials, but nonetheless showing where methotrexate may work. I've had a few patients, for instance, with parvovirus, where the arthritis actually lasted for more than a year, and the patient was on methotrexate for that time. There's a lot of new information about this chikungunya virus and how those patients with chronic arthritis may respond well to methotrexate. So the Spanish um, uh, a group of investigators have a registry for lupus. It's called R-E-L-E-S-S-E-R, Relesser. They have you know, almost 4,000 patients in this uh, registry. Uh, and specifically, they, they looked at the risk of cancer in their lupus patients. So this was a retrospective study. They did show that the overall SIR was 1.37, suggesting a 37% increase in the risk of developing a cancer. It was higher in women where the SIR was almost double that, 2.38. Um, and interestingly, um, disease activity uh, added to the risk of developing cancer. We'd expect that because we know inflammation and immune dysregulation um, manifests clinically as disease activity. But um, immunologically, what's it doing? Well, it may increase the risk of developing cancer. And uh, for some unknown reason to me, ACE inhibitor use was uh, actually associated with uh, non-hormone sensitive uh, cancers. And that was sort of a surprising thing. Now, maybe it's um, more renal involvement that you would use an ACE inhibitor in or hypertension. I don't think it's the ACE inhibitor that's the factor here. I think it's a surrogate for something else, but something to think about. Speaking of cancer, does it happen in psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis? Well, we have some meta-analysis here of patients with psoriasis, 58 studies, thousands and thousands of patients showing uh, an increased risk, uh, an odds ratio of 1.18 or 1.22, a 22 or 18% increase in all cancers, highest with the most severe forms of psoriasis. 
uh, the cancers that were increased in this cohort in these studies was colon, laryngeal, liver, lymphoma, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, oral cavity cancers, um, uh, uh, esophageal cancers, uh, and pancreatic cancers. So how can you best manage your gout patients? Uh, I've been advocating for years, don't use colchicine. I stopped using colchicine when it went from four cents a pill to $6 a pill. Uh, and I, honestly, I haven't used colchicine to manage gout in many, many years. It's not necessary. Yet, the world thinks that colchicine is a drug of choice. Well, not really when explosive diarrhea and belly pain is your main side effect that's commonly seen. So I manage my gout with uh, non-steroidals. Uh, and if that's contraindicated, I use uh, steroids. And it works out very, very well. And I can use those for chronic prophylaxis um, when I'm starting urate-lowering therapy. Well, there's a trial called the CONTACT trial that actually did a head-to-head -head comparison of colchicine in standard doses versus naproxen in standard doses in patients who had acute gout. Uh, and so the numbers here was like 200 on one, one drug, 199 on another drug. They all had acute gout. What was the outcomes? Well, it turns out both were equally effective in managing the pain and control of acute gout. They had no, neither one was superior, but there was more side effects with, guess what, colchicine, 46% versus 20% with naproxen, and headache, which was about double, 21% versus 11%, again, colchicine to naproxen comparisons. And that was those symptoms were being uh, seen in the first seven days. So again, I advocate, don't use colchicine. It's still expensive, even though it's generic. Um, but if you like, go ahead. You'll just have more headache, more diarrhea. It'll give you, you more headache, and also your more pa and, and your patients also get more headache. Um, Peglodicase is something that uh, obviously is a major advance in the treatment of very refractory gout. Uh, an interesting study came across of 92 patients who had uh, gout that was treated with peglodicase, and they compared patients who were pretreated with either IV hydro hydrocortisone or IV um, uh, solumedrol, and they showed that there was actually better outcomes when they were given the methylprednisolone pretreatment. Um, uh, they actually had um, um, more PEG infusions, so the tolerability of the drug went up. Uh, if you were on IV solumedrol or methylprednisolone, 8.5 infusions versus 4.9 with the hydrocortisone, and they had fewer infusion reactions, 8 versus 42%, 42% being with hydrocortisone, suggesting you should be using the longer-acting steroid when pretreating patients going on peglodicase. So does treat-to-target work in gout? We do know that hyperuricemia uh, in gout patients is correlated with a risk of, of death and cardiovascular events. Um, a, a study of, a, of a, almost 1,200 patients uh, were, that were enrolled in a gout study or gout registry, these patients were 92% male, average age was 60. They uh, had disease for almost seven years. The entry baseline SUA was 9.1 milligrams per deciliter. Uh, and they, in the prior year, had an average of three to four flares. And uh, they looked at the patients and their ability to um, achieve a target uric acid of lower than um, 6 milligrams per deciliter or um, 0.36 millimoles per liter. Uh, and they showed those who achieved the goal uh, got it down to that very low um, SUA, they actually had a lower mortality rate. So those that didn't had a higher mortality rate. The hazard ratio was 2.33. And the same for cardiovascular mortality, 2.05. So almost a two to three fold increase in mortality if you do not achieve 
your goal in lowering your uric acid down to that target. Again, why that's not in the guidelines from the American College of Physicians, I don't know. I guess they don't read the research. So there is new data that came out from the European Medicines Agency, the EMA, the European FDA equivalent, about tofacitinib and the risk of clots. As you know, it's now a black box warning on all the JAK inhibitors, tofacitinib, baricitinib, and upatacitinib. Uh, and it's, I guess it's deemed to be a class effect. We know RA patients have a slightly increased risk of venous thromboembolic events, and it may be, in some cases, not other cases, a little bit higher with the JAK inhibitors. So the FDA slaps a black, black box warning on this. And it got a little dicey because um, earlier this year, tofacitinib, no mention in their product label, no warnings, but then they have this long-term trial in high-risk RA patients where they either receive tofacitinib at 5 BID or 10 BID or at alimumab, and they showed that there was a higher rate of VTEs, especially with the 10 milligram dose, but even with the 5 milligram dose, and a higher rate of cardiovascular events and death in the higher dose. So this changed the warnings in the U.S. and also in Europe. Um, as you know, the only indication in both the U.S. and the Europe for a 10 milligram BID dose of tofacitinib is for ulcerative colitis. Well, now the EMA comes out and says, really, you should not use that 10 milligram dose um, in anyone uh, who has a high risk of venous thromboembolic events. They basically have said that there's an increased risk of VTE, DVT, PEs at both the 5 and 10 milligram BID dose when you compare tofacitinib to uh, a TNF inhibitor. So the bottom line is that although this is a rare event, somewhere between 1 in 100 and 1 in 1,000 patients might come down with a VTE. If you're someone who has a higher risk of VTE, you should not be taking a JAK inhibitor. Uh, and I think that's something to be um, discussed with your patients. Um, a pre-release on information that will probably be presented on the next few days at the ACR meeting, the EXCEED study. This is a study of Cosentix, a head-to-head of Cosentix versus adalimumab in patients with psoriatic arthritis. Again, unique in that it's a head-to-head. -head. It's a 52-week study, secukinumab versus um, adalimumab. It's a phase three trial. Over 800 patients were recruited. The primary endpoint was an ACR20 response, and it was not different between the two drugs. Now, um, if you'll remember, ixekizumab earlier in the year had a report in annals of rheumatic disease showing that ixekizumab, another IL-17 inhibitor, was superior to adalimumab in psoriatic arthritis patients, but they had a co-primary endpoint, meaning they had to improve as far as an ACR50 and as far as a POSI 100 skin score. They met their primary endpoint, their co-primary endpoints, by basically winning in the skin but being equal in the joints. So this data on the EXCEED study is not any different than that seen with ixekizumab, equivalent articular responses when IL-17 inhibitors are compared to a TNF inhibitor in patients with psoriatic arthritis. I think that's good news. Um, although it did not meet its primary endpoint, I still think it's good news and another good option for us. Our last report is about um, upatacitinib, which obviously was approved earlier this year. They have a, a new phase three trial um, called the SELECT PSA2 trial, where they um, uh, recruited patients to treat active psoriatic arthritis who had previously failed and were incomplete responders to a biologic DMARD. They either received 15 or 30 of upatacitinib or placebo. And not surprisingly, the, the 15 and 30 milligram dose was significantly better uh, with basically an ACR, 12-week uh, ACR20 
5070 of, of um, 57, 32, and 9, almost 60, 40, uh, 20. Uh, and it had about a posse 75 response of about 50%. So JAK inhibitors are not as great at skin as they are at joints. They're fabulous at joints, and that's why um, um, these, have, these drugs have been approved in psoriatic arthritis, but not necessarily in psoriasis. So again, patacitinib is not yet approved in psoriatic arthritis, but this is encouraging data that says it might be. That's it for this week on Room Now. Go to the website, check out these citations. Um, this week we're going to be at the ACR covering it. Go to roomnow.com. Follow the emails we'll send you every day with the highlights of the, of the meeting. We're going to have top 10 lists of best abstracts. We're going to have a lot of videos, a lot of podcasts, a lot of good articles written by the faculty you've seen in past meetings. Uh, I think it's going to be an exciting week at the ACR. Um, check out what we do. Talk to you then. Bye.